Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Come on up, America. Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts live every day from sunny Southern California. Welcome, 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 welcome in. The Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. There is a, um, there's a story out of Miami. There's a story out of San Francisco. There's a story out of Las Vegas. And I think each, each story, each story relates to something we talked about over the past couple of days, which is we all think that. We're in, the, we're in the business of sports or in the business of medical device sales. We're in the business of educating people or we're all in different businesses when the truth is we're all in the same business, the people business. Um, story, uh, Mike Lombardi, who we've had on the show, of course, has his own website and podcast, the former uh, front office executive, long time with the New England Patriots, some with the San Francisco 49ers, as well as the Oakland Raiders. Mike Lombardi said that um, apparently Brian Flores at some point in time during this year told Tua Tagovailoa that he should have drafted <laughs> Mac Jones this season. Again, don't know how it came out, don't know the context of it, but it does paint a picture of how Brian Flores chose to motivate his young quarterback, or maybe it was the real reason why there was such a rift between he and Chris Greer. Then there's this story from San Francisco, right? Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is, uh, what's the term? Dead man walking isn't, isn't a fair term. Dead man walking. Uh, it's more, um, not, not even placeholder short timer. It's when you're, you're, we all know you're going to either be fired or, or traded at the end of the season or let go. He's a lame duck quarterback is what he is, right? It's a lame duck quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo played great football last weekend, especially in the second half, fourth quarter, in leading the Niners to a comeback win over the Rams. He's led the Niners to a Super Bowl. Obviously led the Super Bowl going in the fourth quarter. Didn't play well in the second half and in the fourth quarter. I'm not disputing what most people think of as the ceiling for Jimmy Garoppolo or the incessant uh, turnovers at inopportune times throughout his career. But Garoppolo is far more good than he is terrible quarterback. But because he's a lame duck, and everybody knows it, it's got to be a weird existence. Here's Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. You know, does it add any motivation and anything like that? How much does that weigh in your mind uh, just throughout the course of a week going into games like this? It's always in the back of your mind. It, it has been in mind, you know, really this whole season. Just uh, I knew what type of season it was, knew everything that was going on, uh, you know, behind the scenes and whatnot. So it was, it was a little different. It's like you're saying, you got to tell that line because you don't want to get too emotional in those moments and uh, you just got to go play football when it comes down to it. But, you know, the human side definitely comes into into play. You feel it for a little bit after the game and I think 24 hours after that, you got to move on quickly and, you know, we, we've done that pretty well. 
Yeah, Garoppolo kind of let you in a little bit. He knew what type of season it would be. He knew what was going on. It's not like the the, the Niners have done any of this uh, under the shadow of darkness, right? Like they're slow, like, like they're quietly manipulating to try and get a quarterback in the offseason. But it is also fair to to point out that they moved mountains and then drafted his heir apparent, his replacement. And whatever the level of competitiveness it was this year, everyone knows what's going to happen at the end of this year on some level. That that human element, you know, I look, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. We we look at these guys sometimes as machines. They're not supposed to have the feelings of normal human beings. Some of that is because that's what we've told football players are. Football guys are, you know, Ronnie Lott. I can't play because of my finger. Cut off my finger. Easy. You know? Give me some. Remember when we were, again, when we were kids, guy would get his bell rung. Smelling salts. Are you alert? Go back in the game. That's that football mentality. The truth is they're human beings. And when a human being knows that this is potentially his, not potentially, likely his last game, if he loses, wearing a San Francisco 49er uniform. And it doesn't mean that Garoppolo has to have some affinity. He doesn't have to have grown up a Niner fan. Like, there's only 32 teams. The Niners are historically as significant as any franchise in sports. Go and look at all the guys who have donned that uniform and played quarterback for that team. And there's at least two Hall of Famers. I have to look and think if there's even more than that. Quarterback of the Niners is a pretty cool, pretty big thing. And he led them back to the Super Bowl. And the idea that, you know, with any one mistake, with any one play, you don't necessarily process it as you're playing, but in leading up to it and in those moments of silence and in those moments where you're on the sideline thinking, you get lost in thought, you're like, man, this is it. Dissimilar in terms of topic, but similar in terms of human element. Darren Waller is a spectacular talent. Sort of a tight end, more of a wide receiver, but a constant mismatch. And of course, he's been injured this year. And Darren Waller's a guy who has been very open about his own personal issues and demons with addiction. Here's Waller yesterday talking about those issues, even this year with the Raiders. You know, my disease of addiction, you know, that can have me thinking all, t- all kinds of crazy things, you know. So I got to make sure that I'm talking about those things when I'm, you know, have all that idle time. So I got my therapist, you know, I got to stay going to meetings, uh, staying in the playbook, working on music, you know, just staying solid, keeping my head, you know, just out of that idle time and just into things that I enjoy and st- stay into the game of football as much as I can. Think about that for a second. Like we all think, of, all I've thought about Darrell Waller is, man, uh, COVID, knee, whatever, get him back on the field because he's great. You know, you don't even think about, here's an addict who now you have a lot more idle time because you're not playing, you know, what do you, what do you do? And then you factor in, he's in Vegas and, and look, you can find trouble anywhere. I mean, you can say whatever you want about Cincinnati. Pac-Man Jones didn't have any problem finding trouble in Cincinnati. Trouble can be found anywhere, but in Vegas, I mean, it's a text message or phone call or 15 minute drive to any sin you can possibly imagine. And Darren Waller has had to kind of play through it while not playing. Here's Waller even more. It's tough, honestly, because I'm a human being at the end of the day, and I'm still trying to shed some of my old thinking patterns. So, you know, when I'm not out there, I can think these thoughts of like, you know, the team is balling without me being in there. Is this like, you know, am I 
like useless and it's just like these irrational thoughts. So I had to be willing to stay in the practices that I have to that bring me back down from that place. It's like, whoa, 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 it's not even that anymore. And it's like, I'm not out there performing per se, but I still have a role on this team. But sometimes my mind can tell me like, oh man, you ain't really doing nothing like you out. Like, so it's just like staying locked in, like you said, like I have to do that because my mind can take me to those places and um, I don't want to be there anymore. The show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities where the Raiders occupy Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Whoever you root for, whatever sport you love to watch, the biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. Make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. It's a hard thing, right? Because because part of the mentality that allows anywhere from boys to young men to men to be able to play – any sport, but especially this sport, is you have to almost disassociate with the human side because, you know, the human head is not meant to collide with another human head, you know? It's just not. It's, it's an unnatural act. We're not rams. We're not built with ram horns to go and collide into each other. We had to put on helmets for these sorts of things. On the other hand, you're dealing with human beings. And human beings all act differently in times of adversity. They all act differently when they're questioned. They all act differently when they have free time. They all act differently based upon where they are in life. And whether it's Tua and how he felt after Flores uh, on some level said they should have taken Mac Jones this year or Jimmy Garoppolo knowing that the Niners did take their next quarterback in a Trey Lance or Darren Waller in... Um, his desire to get back out in the field and the Raiders' amazing comeback season with all of their issues, sitting there going like, you know how hard it is to sit here and not play? Your team's team's winning and you want them to win, but then you feel useless, plus you're not doing anything, plus you're an addict, and you start thinking all kinds of thoughts. Everybody thinks they're in some other business. We're all in the people business. How you navigate those personalities That's job number one. If you're coaching, leading, or even trying to have a good feel for how these guys will will perform. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Can I ask you guys a question? This is a this is a real question, okay? This has nothing to do with sports. Which, you know, like, look, I mean, I just... So, um, Ramos, you've been around me enough, obviously. Um, you guys know what I, what I basically live... I live on two drinks throughout the day. That I, I don't... I'm not a big water guy, although I'm trying to become more of a water guy. I'm not a big water guy. You guys familiar with the, the two things that I imbibe throughout most of the day? I believe you love to drink, um, is it the Arnold Palmer's? Arnold Palmer. Right. Coffee and Arnold Palmer. Okay, coffee. I didn't get the coffee. I knew you liked Arnold Palmer, so. Yes, I, 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 I basically, basically like, uh, I, I do. Um, but I, th- I think what's interesting about it is, so I make uh, Tazo tea, this, that passion tea, 
at home or I'll make the nest tea, the instant, like it's the, the cold brew tea, whatever, at home. And then I mix it with lemonade. Now, I'm very specific with what types of, I only use that simple lemonade. That's it. It's always simple lemonade. It's always nest tea, cold brew tea, or it's always Tazo uh, passion tea. That's that's caffeine free. And I, I mix the two and that that's what I drink literally from as soon as I have my cup of coffee in the morning till that I, all throughout the day, I'm just constantly sipping on it. Um, and I do know like how much it costs at Starbucks. That same passion tea lemonade combination is like four fifty, four seventy five for a venti. And here I am feeling like I'm getting a deal. Is that cheap of me though to make it for myself at home? I would say no. I would drink your tea that you make before I would drink the other one. If you were offer like if if you said, "Hey, Ramos, I have some, you know, iced tea at my house," or do you want me to stop at blank blank to get? I'd be like, "No, I'll drink yours." That's me personally. Okay, okay. I, I you know I was I was like doing last night. I was doing something else in terms of like numbers. I was actually doing reimbursements for, <laughs> for some of these trips, and then I, I got like. Like the ADD kicked in and uh, I start doing the numbers on how much I'm saving per, uh, you know, per drink. Right. In, in comparison, I was like, well, this is probably 55 cents, maybe, maybe less per like gigantic drink. And then, you know, like at Starbucks, they put so much ice in it unless you do no ice. And we do no ice. It doesn't taste nearly as good. So I can do full ice here and it doesn't matter. So I'm like saving like $4 a drink and then I'm working out in my head. Like if I have three of these a day. Am I saving $12, but I wouldn't have three of them a day if I was actually going to buy them. I don't know. That, that was, that was basically like an, then I was like, what am I doing? God, I'm either bored or completely distracted. Maybe a little bit of both. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports, a better sports book. Better versus the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. You must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Lot to get to. Lot to lot lot to get to. Um, okay, so my my point was, Bayer, you you grew up in Wisconsin. I know that high school football is over before the actual meet of winter. But how how uh, how did you deal with playing in the cold? Like, what's the 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 inside the beltway secrets uh, just uh if you're playing in cold we would play in long underwear that's what uh, you know you'd throw that underneath the uh the old uh the pads you need to have long sleeves uh if you're going to a game like if you're going to lambo uh layers is a big yeah layers is, is the right way to go and make sure that those feet are insulated okay it's interesting because uh, bart scott offered up another possibility i don't really know uh, Mark Dominic joins us. Of course, he was a longtime scout in the National Football League, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I, if I remember, Mark, you grew up in Minnesota, right? Like you're like you're cold weather, cold weather dude. Um, how, how do you deal with playing football in the cold? Like what's what's the what's the keys to it? Yeah, I, I wish I had a good example. Remember, I went to Tampa Bay for a long time. It was yeah. we never won a game below forty two degrees, right? So it was. Uh, Certainly hard. Um, yeah, I was born in Minnesota and spent some time in South Dakota, too. So I know what cold feels like, uh, you know, and it's the hidden layers that you can't see is what, you know, a lot of people do with the, like you talked about the feet, uh, the thermals underneath. But when you get to your arms and these offensive linemen, they, they just leave them out there. And it's just a, it's a mental battle for three and a half hours that you just got to get through. 
It's funny because I wasn't Shauna was like a, he wanted it 68 degrees in every room, right? That was his thing. You guys couldn't win below 42 and he wanted it 68, right? He should have cranked that sucker even more, further down. I, I bring up the cold because this was Bart Scott on TV earlier today with some advice for players getting ready to play in the cold. Can people get this message to them? Viagra. Take some Viagra for the game, baby. That'll fit that circulation going right. You you play, so do, you must of, know something. A lot of us take Viagra, right? Because Viagra opens up the blood Wait, vessels. Sir, sir, a lot of us take Viagra. What do you mean? A, a lot, lot of a lot of NFL <laughs> players, at least in my day, took Viagra because it opens up the blood vessels. A lot of endurance athletes because Viagra was first uh, a heart medicine, right? So it builds up circulation, which makes sure that it gets those circulation to the feet. Okay, uh, Mark, you were in the league for a long time. Where dudes popping Viagra to get their circulation going? I had never. I was in the league over twenty years, and I've never heard that until he just said that. And I'm like, I guess I see what he's saying, but I'd never heard that. Never heard our trainer talk about it, or never heard anybody talk about it in the facility, man. Well, I mean, listen, he played with some stiff defenses when he was in uh, in New York. No. I mean, I'm mean, sorry, sorry, I I had I had to, but I I just didn't know if it if it was like a trade secret, like right, like in basketball when it gets cold and dry in the gyms, you you got to put that utter cream on your hands after you shower and after you play because your hands will crack and you'll get those splits in your finger and it's really hard to shoot and handle a basketball. I didn't know if, if Viagra was like the end-all be-all for circulation in the cold. I had I literally literally no idea. Uh, all right, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's, let's get to some football stuff. Um, I, I do want to react to the Sunday night game because that's as good a football game, as interesting a football game as I've seen. If you're the general manager, and I do know Tom Telesco pretty well, but if you're the general manager and you hire a guy who tells you, hey, look, based on analytics, I'm going to go for it and you're all in. And then, you know, in the first half of the biggest game of the year, he goes for it on fourth and two from his own 18. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that's a really it better work. And those are frustrating ones, right? If you don't get that, you're very frustrated because you're like, well, this is a critical game for us to get in and. You know, as much as I can appreciate analytics, uh, I'm not a huge fan of fourth and two on 18-yard line, no matter where the game is, unless it's right at the end. Yeah, that one was that, – that, that's crazy. And then what no, happens and I would, is I – would, I would pull him into my office after the game's over. And usually what I did with, with coaches is after the game was over, I'd go down and brief the coach after the game, talk about it before he went to the podium, talk about anything that's going on from a medical standpoint and also just his overall emotions to keep him in check so that nothing comes out that shouldn't come out. And it's the next day, the Monday morning, where I have the heart-to-heart on the, on the questions and calls. And he knows it's coming. And I always tell him, like, hey, look, when we do free agency, when we do the draft, and you want to really kind of break things down and talk to me about what's wrong with this team, I'm open ears to hearing that, too. So uh, you have to ask him about that question. And that's, that was one of two plays I thought that were very questionable that I think cost the Chargers. When you're, when you're trying to hire a coach, and we've seen coaches firing – Okay. So oftentimes, I think, look, I've tried to tell people that that most of these hires, most of them, not all of them, are with people they have worked with before. Right. Because then they know how you operate. You know how they operate. There's usually a tie. Of course, that's one of the reasons that you have the Rooney rule is like, hey, let's bring somebody in that might not be in the the normal cycle or or let's try and reach out when you made coaching hires. What is it like to try and work through, hey, I want to hire the best guy, but I need a fit for our franchise. I need a fit for our owner. I need a fit for my style. And I got to figure out, is it a guy that I knew or don't know? How, 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 what was your process like? Yeah, so um, 
the process where we went through with Shiano, because when I first got hired to the Bucks, Coach Morris, Raheem Morris, and I got hired at the exact same time. There was no, he searched for me, I searched for him. It was an owner's decision, and we were notified of it. So it was kind of a different situation there. But when we went through a regular traditional hire, what I did is I kind of I, I, I compartmentalized each piece. So I grabbed three or four guys that had been head coaches before because I wanted to kind of pick their brain and see what they were like and see if they had some juice that would make sense for our organization. And then I went out and got uh, three offensive coordinators and three defensive coordinators. I wanted to see the differences, and then I went and interviewed you know, three or four college coaches, and we had to do that very privately, very secretly because of recruiting. And you start to compile your list of what you like, and then you, you pare it down after you eliminate you know, some of the coaches, some, maybe a couple of the college coaches. You go down to about your final four and do another round of interviews with them if you have the time, and then you make your selection is how we did it. So I, I, I kind of looked at it from every angle. And then from a GM's perspective, uh, you're looking to see how well does this coach kind of know your team, but how will your players fit into his scheme? especially your best players, uh, to make sure that you feel like, is this going to be a good fit for the guys that are elite on my team? Because I don't want to put that square peg in a round hole. You know, um, it, you're fascinating a guy to have on because Shianu comes in and he had done an amazing job building Rutgers. Like, I don't think people have a healthy enough respect for what he was able to do the first time around at Rutgers. Of course, he's back at Rutgers. But when you're building a football program kind of from scratch at Rutgers, you have a boss and an athletic director, but he's not really your football boss, right? Like mm-hmm. he's not helping you. I, I, I feel like that's one of the under-discussed parts of why college coaches oftentimes struggles because when they're in college, they answer to nobody in terms of football decisions. Football decisions are their decisions. It's not the case in the pros. Uh, d- did you, when you hired Greg, was that mm-hmm. part of the thought process of how he would have to evolve in the pro game? You know, a couple of things I liked about it was, number one, Greg had been in the NFL before as a, as a coach with the Chicago Bears. I thought that was important that he's actually had some experience in the National Football League. So he's seen what a draft goes through. He'd been part of it. And then I thought uh, what would be good is because of what you said with Rutgers in terms of, you know, I think at the time we hired Greg, I think Rutgers had like the fifth most most players in the entire National Football League by college. I mean, that's a crazy thought. Um, when you start to think of Notre Dame or Florida or whoever, Alabama. Um, and so he was pumping guys in. So I knew from the evaluation standpoint, he'd be good to work with. I did not think about, you know, how hard it would be for him to, uh, I think, being molding young guys and feeling like you're the father figure for them and, and how you, you felt you had to put your thumb on them all the time. That transferred more heavily than I thought it was going to to the National Football League. And, and a lot of people don't know that Greg made tremendous changes from year one to year two. But the problem was everybody already had the perception built in. Right. And he, couldn't, he couldn't overcome it. And so hard. he had actually it, changed, and that's, that's a shame. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, really hard. I actually talked about this, uh, I think, yesterday or the day before. It's like, like, look, you know, um, don't we wish it, – it's not, some jobs you can come in. There's, there's a book. I think it's the first 90 days is what it's called, right? Right. And, and, Right. Yep. And, and, and I had somebody give it to me and look in, in my job, it's a little different. Like you can come in, you kind of feel everybody else's culture and understand it. And, but when you're the head coach, everybody feeds off of you. So you can't really, it, it, it's a great book and it's great for different, taking a new job. It's a great idea, but it's just different in the NFL because the second you get that job, all eyes are on you and you set the course and you don't have time to kind of learn on the job. It's a very difficult kind of transition because you don't have time to sort of learn on the job. I, I want to ask you about something um, 
that uh, Chris Ballard said earlier today where it, it was the opposite of a vote of confidence for Carson Wentz. He, he didn't want to answer a question about whether or not Carson Wentz would be their quarterback next year. You've been in that position before. You've had quarterback issues before. What do you think of that choice by Chris Ballard to make that verbal decision? Well, you know, it's a it's a big shot. I mean, Chris has been in there for a little while. You know, Jacoby Brissett was there. He obviously that didn't work out the way they were hoping it would. They obviously go to Phillip Rivers for a year, and then they make the big decision to trade a first round pick for Carson, or what ends up being a first round pick for Carson Wentz. And so, uh, I think the, the right news is, I think he said the right thing. You know, meaning, we saw the game, and, and Carson cost him a football game, and, and the whole team cost themselves a football game. But Carson certainly didn't help with the turnovers back to back. And I think if I was in Chris Ballard's shoes, I think I would uncover every stone and make sure, is Carson the best option? He's going to be on the roster. He's going to go to camp, all those kind of things, just because of what you've given up for him. But I I wouldn't sit there and say for sure it's his team because you've got to speak to Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard's looking at, you know, the organization going, I don't know, man, we're pretty good and and we can't quite get over the hump. And so this year specifically, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch the quarterbacks move around because I know we – we focus a lot on Aaron Rodgers, and people like to talk about the Russell Wilsons. We're still not sure exactly what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, but let's see what Jimmy Garoppolo does in the playoffs, and let's see what Jimmy – where does he end up? You know, because I don't think he stays in San Francisco because they've got to make the move to Trey Lance. So Jimmy Garoppolo is an interesting guy. You're like, where does he go? Or what happens to a lot of these other quarterbacks that are going to start moving around a little bit? So um, it's going to be a great offseason to discuss that, but I, I, I actually agree with Chris Ballard. And I think what I would do also is have a quick conversation with Carson and say, hey, look, it's going to be open competition. Let him know ahead of time before I announce that to the world. Yeah, I, I, my issue is not with how he's thinking. My issue is why he's saying it. Like, yeah. what, what's the win in telling everybody that the quarterback position is, is, is likely to be I think you're, you're trying to appease the public perception of what's going on. And the public right now – Colt, Colt fans are like, oh, my gosh, is this going to be our quarterback forever? We're never going to get it done. And so instead of just trying to say everything's going to be all right, you just go out there and say we're not going to guarantee anything. And, and I, I think that's probably from, you know, uh, ownership down to sit there and say, hey, let's go ahead and just go out there and just say it is what it is. And if we can find something that's going to be competitively better, whether it's the second round of the draft, third round, or it's a free agent or a trade, uh, we're going to look into it. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Mark Dominic is is our guest, of course, a longtime scout and general manager in the National Football in the National Football League. Um, when when you look at this weekend, and you look at the Niners, you mentioned Garoppolo and the idea that he's going to be playing elsewhere. Um, they become kind of a hot pick to go on the road and beat the Cowboys, and I think a lot of it is because the Cowboys have a lot of talent. They don't play in a particularly good division. But it doesn't feel like they're, they've hit that they're a great team sort of stride. What do you think when you see the matchup between the Niners and the Cowboys? Yeah, you know, I think Dallas is going to find their groove. I, I really think, uh, although they played a, an Eagles team that sat a lot of players, um, they just they have been able to score a lot of points when they're healthy. They've got two-headed monster at running back. Dalton Schultz has really stepped up huge for them at the tight end position during this contract year for him. The offensive line looks like it's coming together and stayed healthy. They're healthy right now, and I think that's a different Dallas team than we've seen before, and I think that that's the difference maker. And I think we're also used to Dallas stubbing their toe that we're assuming they're going to do it again. 
and it's a just it's a different team. And I just I feel very confident that as much as that's the upset special pick for just about everybody, they're like, oh, I think that's going to be the one. I think Dallas will take care of business because I just think they're too explosive across the board, and especially on the defensive side where they've got playmakers at all levels. As you know, with what we've seen at Trayvon Diggs in the secondary, what we've seen with Micah Parsons and his performance, and, and certainly Demarcus Lawrence. So th- they can get you anywhere, and I think that's what makes them such a different team than the previous Dallas. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed in the AFC, and it doesn't. And I, we're assuming they're going to get Derrick Henry back, but it does not feel like they've commanded people's respect. Uh, maybe it's because of you know some of the other teams that have beaten them that are in the playoffs. When you look at Tennessee, what do you see going in the playoffs? Yeah, I think everything's got to come together for them. Uh, I think they're a good football team that has can't overcome turnovers. Uh, when they have turnovers, they become uh, an average football team. And, you know, I happened to be at the Houston uh, Texans game here in Nashville, where I live, and I went to that game, and that was where Tannehill, I think, had three or four interceptions. And you're playing a team that really had nothing going for it, and they lost. And, and it just kind of spoke to me that here's a team that just can't take a lot of adversity. They, they can play smart and they can play good, but if they get hit with adversity in the postseason, especially in the turnover margin, I just don't think they have the firepower to come back from that. And that's where I'm, I like the Titans. Uh, they certainly have a, a little bit of a different road or maybe an easier road than you'd say Buffalo or Kansas City because they'll end up having to play each other if they can both win. But I, I just don't feel like the Titans will represent the AFC in the end. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of, of Mark Dominic. All right, what about the Packers? The Packers seem to be get healthy at the right time. Whitney Merciless was out there at practice today when people thought he was lost with a torn biceps. Um, they're getting David Bakhtiari back. You know, he played a little bit last weekend. Now he gets a, a, a week off to, to get ready. Um, you know, J.R. Alexander's back as well. But, you know, they bumped into that ceiling of the NFC Championship game past two years. When you see the Packers playing at home and the number one seed in the NFC, what do you see? I think the Packers have a great shot of representing the NFC. I think Aaron Rodgers just plays too well, too consistent, doesn't doesn't have the mistakes. Uh, I think when Aaron Jones is going in, like you talked about, some of these pieces, especially Bakhtiari coming back, uh, that, that's just such a stable – it just brings so much stability to that offensive line. Uh, and they've, they've had to throw rookies out there, and they've done a good job with those guys. So I, I, I like the Packers a ton. I think they have every right to be considered or will win the uh, – NFC, going into last week's game, it was the Rams for me. Uh, they, they obviously didn't pull off the, the Week 18 victory, so it slowed my role in the Rams a little bit, but I still think the Rams could be the team because of how good they are on defense that they're going to create enough turnovers, create enough opportunities. And Stafford, even though he's going to give you a chance to pick, get picked off, he's still going to spin the ball and get you a touchdown, two, three, maybe four in a game. And I still think the Rams could be the other team that might sleep, sleep in there. Yeah, Rams are Rams are a pretty interesting team. I I do wonder what they look like going into the cold weather of Green, uh, uh, you know, of Green Bay. I know mm-hmm. last year Aaron Donald wasn't healthy, but uh, you know, a dome team playing out there that it's going to be an interesting event. Mark, hope you had a wonderful New Year. Can't wait to get you on again. You're an unbelievable resource to call upon. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and enjoy the games this weekend. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts live every day from sunny Southern California. 
Welcome in. An overcast day. Um, I saw this story and I, I thought it was, it was good sound and it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I do on, on some level, I feel, uh, I feel for Russell Westbrook. Okay. And, and stick with me for a second, if you will. I don't, I've heard a lot of things out of the Lakers and, and some other NBA people have have mentioned things to me that aren't great. And I believe I'll get to what I've heard. Some of the, the, the bigger issues are with, with Russell Westbrook and with the Lakers. Um, but I also understand that like when you're a basketball player, okay. And I don't know how to relate it to anything in business, but I, I think I could try, but just from a, a basketball perspective, you know, you grow up and it, it, Russell Westbrook grows up in Los Angeles. The Lakers have Shaq and Kobe, and then Kobe wins two more titles afterwards. I don't think there's any human being who uh, plays at UCLA, is from Southern California, grows up in the shadow of the Lakers that hasn't been like, you know what, wouldn't it be amazing someday to play for the... Uh, the foreign blue and gold, right? Wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, I, I'm obviously substantially older than Russell Westbrook. Um, I was fortunate during my childhood to watch Magic and James Worthy and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Byron Scott and the Koopa Loop, Kurt Rambis, AC Green. And I remember I wasn't a Laker fan growing up. I wasn't. I was really kind of a Celtics fan, right? Like, I had East Coast ties, plus the side. It was just when everybody likes one thing, you're like, ugh. You know, I just, I wasn't. But I got the chance three different times, three different summers to, on some level, work out for, play for, you know, being a, uh, a veterans free agent mini camp for the LA Lakers. And you walk through those halls and you see not just the pictures of Kareem and Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and, all the other, you know, George, Mike, and all the other superstars to ever don the Laker blue and gold. Then you see magic and, and then you see pictures of Kobe, Shaq. And you, you run into Derek Fisher in the hallway and you start to think like, what if I played for the Lakers? There's not a, a, a dude alive who plays basketball that didn't think about the Lakers. And then you're from Los Angeles and for Russell Westbrook, like, look, he's, been to an NBA Finals. He's been an NBA Finals MVP. He's averaged a triple-double three consecutive years. He's done just about everything. Wouldn't that be cool to play for the Lakers? Oh, yeah, they just won a title two years ago. They got LeBron James. All of these things, like, all coming together. So whatever you think his vision should have been for playing with the Lakers, everybody thinks you come home, you get a victory parade, you win a title, and you ride off into the sunset as one of... Uh, the best, if not the best basketball city in the world in terms of producing talent as one of their greatest players ever. It is not working out that way. Not working out that way. Um, but I, I, I can at least on many levels hypothesize what could be going on in Russell Westbrook's head and like, look, he hasn't been a good shooter, hasn't been a good finisher for, for his career. 
but it shouldn't be this bad. The, the mistakes shouldn't be this egregious. It's bad. And last night it was really bad. They lose to the Sacramento Kings. And when he got the ball, the in-house DJ, right? In-house DJ was playing a little foreigner ditty, cold as ice. Now, um, obviously, that means he hasn't been playing well. Uh, you know, his head coach came out and said he's in a bit of a slump. Take a listen to uh, Dan Wakey's covered covers the team for uh, what is he athletic now or is he the Times? Still the LA Times. Wakey's covered which which is it? J Stu, it's the Times. The LA Times. Um, Westbrook, for his part, I'm likely didn't hear the music, but when he informed about it, here was the exchange. Russ, you're you're in a, a little bit of a shooting slump here over these last four games. The man, who are you telling? Um, the the. In arena DJ had fun with it. I, I guess sort of where are you at? Mm-hmm. The, did you hear what they played? They played like uh-uh. Cold as Ice when you got introduced and stuff. Ooh. The arena? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, um, they played that. I hope they played that the last 14 years, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny they play it now. That's cute. Um, That's cute. So, uh, Russell Westbrook is in more than a little bit of a shooting sump of late, right? Like, that's that's being about as kind as we can be to Russell Westbrook. Um, do we, are, are we, do we, Jay Stu, do we care at all? Yeah, yes, John, uh, John Ramos, you had a question before I get to that. He, I know he laughed about that and kind of played it off, but he can't be happy about that. That's, that's not, I mean, you're well, why. That's why he clapped back. A little yeah, bit. yeah. Hey, where were they the last 14 years when we've been busting the... Right. Been busting and I'm not ass. even sure, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure your own arena guy should do something like that. Really? I, yeah, I'm not in fa- favor of things like that. That's that's kind of kind of rude, actually, to be honest Oh, with it's you. definitely rude. Yeah. It's definitely rude. I mean, he's, your te- he's playing for your team. No, Unless he's, he's in on the... No, no, he's playing for the. It's in Sacramento. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought they were the, at at the Crypto Crom or whatever it's called. No, 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 no. no. Okay, Here's yeah, the numbers, yeah. Last four games, most they definitely. Played, okay, they my bad. Sacramento. They played Sacramento. They beat them. Um, four games ago, Russ was seven of nineteen. Uh, the following game, they played Atlanta. He was four of fourteen. Two of twelve against Memphis. It was bad, and then two of fourteen last night. Uh, he has missed his last 10 to 15 three-point shots. He's 0 of 15. That gates back six games. Six games. He hasn't made a three in seven games, and he's missed his last 15 threes. So, I, and look, the, the what I have heard from other guys in the league was, you know, when they played Memphis, their previous game, they were getting blown out, and then he left the bench and was was in the tunnel, like waiting for the game to be over. And then they go on a run. He sits on the bench, but doesn't stand up and cheer. And I, I've just heard that you know that when when things go bad, guys, you know, some guys get defensive, some guys work harder, some guys take more shots, some guys won't shoot. The frustrating part for the Lakers is that no matter what his assist totals have been throughout his career the general feeling around the league is Russ is about Russ. And when he's not playing well, he's so in his own head, so in his own world, whether they win or whether they lose has no effect on Russ. But this is 
Like it's getting worse, not getting better. This it, is not a wait till he relaxes, he gets comfortable, he plays with LeBron more. Yeah. He, like with no Anthony Davis, th- there's plenty of room for him to get to the rim, and he's unable to do so even with LeBron playing quote unquote center. It, it is interesting that both you and just many people in general had made that point perfectly clear before the season began, before this trade happened, and it has come to fruition. Like. It wasn't, you didn't say that because you were just making some guess. Like, you actually, like, hey, this is what this guy's about. I'm just letting you guys know that. <laughs> and it actually, everything that people have said about Russell Westbrook is actually have has happened. And I don't know why people would be, you know, surprised. why they would put, yeah, surprise. Like, they would, oh, no, think, you know, I golly. Think, he, because I think, because he, I think he, people, he doesn't know what he's talking about. about the, it's going to be different this time. Yeah, it's not. Because I, I do think that people want, they they want the the Kurt Warner story. You didn't come back home, but they want. I mean, remember Kurt? Like, here's a here's a Kurt. Kurt Warner was kind of out of the league, and then he goes to Arizona. He's Matt Leinart's backup, and Matt Leinart gets hurt, and then they they he 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 was pretty good, and then they still want to give the job to to Leinart the next year, and you know he Kurt Warner gets the job, wins the job, and he takes him to a Super Bowl. Like everybody wants that Disney happy ending story, and I don't, I don't see it. I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. And it's one thing for it to not happen in Washington. They did turn around in Washington last year. It's nothing to not happen in Houston, but to not happen in LA where I think so many of us wanted it to end up happily for an LA born kid who has succeeded at UCLA, succeeded in the NBA and won an MVP. Boy, it, it's really gone the opposite way. Opposite way. Yes, Jay Stu. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you uh, – obviously, we can't see the video, but, I mean, it's, Russ sounded like he was pretty cool with that, but um, he was actually hot-blooded. I thought he was pretty cool about it. I mean, no, I'm I, he was hot, But he was hot-blooded. But he always is. Um, how, how, does that, how does that change? Let me try this. I, you know what? I, I think <laughs> – Oh, that's the hot blooded. I, We're gonna do seventies songs now. Eighties, songs. <laughs> I think it's the seventies, like late seventies. Yeah. The problem with that thing, with the delivery was that John was so like so he was supposed to be hot blooded. <laughs> John was so busy trying to get the drop that he yeah. wasn't there to laugh at my joke. So yeah. it just it fell on on, on deaf ears. Uh, you knew that was in the works. You want to get in on this? Uh, well, fire? well, the funny, the, the funny thing I think about this was we're just a day or two removed from the whole. Hey, we're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the NBA, and the and and if LeBron is Tom Brady, there is no doubt Russell Westbrook was Antonio Brown. Like in terms of like we knew how this was going to play out, and now there may not have been as many highs with Russell Westbrook in Los Angeles as there were with Antonio Brown in Tampa. However, how it's ended or how it's turned out is uh is how we expected. Why? Think 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 about this for let me let me can I pitch you on it for a second? Okay. Um remember when they won the title? Supposedly Dwight Howard had a deal in place with the Lakers and then he tweeted out about it and then I don't know if Plinka got mad or he wasn't supposed to and then you know he he goes away for a year and he comes back. Dwight Howard was a guy who I mean, look, it's gone bad everywhere he's left previously. 
and now he's back and he's uh, he, he's a, a shell of his former self, but he, I guess he was trying to get along more. I don't know. Um, I mean, personally, guys, I mean, I, I don't... Here I just comes. don't think this is very urgent. <laughs> you guys think this is urgent? Yeah. <laughs> urgent, urgent, urgent. Are these all foreigner songs, by the way? Yes. Part of the yes. problem is Westbrook comes to LA and thinks he's a jukebox hero and tries oh. to, you know, win over everything. I think he- John, John. Now's the time where you play, you know, I think, (laughs) I think what happens is, what happens is they see some late season success and Russell Westbrook is really happy and he's bouncing around, he's running around the arena and it kind of feels like the first time. That's what it does. It feels, yeah, there it is. Very nice. Feels John, you're not supposed to say very nice. Well, I got, you're supposed, to, I find, got, I got you're supposed to, to find far away. Yeah. <laughs> like the first time. You could also say that when he hits a field goal. It feels like the first time. Yes, it feels, it I, does, yes. Every time he hits, he hits. Oh, I've been waiting for a guy like Westbrook. <laughs> okay. Too many songs. Yeah. <laughs> I need Leftover, right. No, it's leftover Chinese food from last night. I'm sorry. <laughs> that sounds delicious, John. Nothing <laughs> sounds great. It's quite as good as leftover Chinese food. Um, do you guys think they they want to live without loving what? What? Russell Westbrook? Holy smokes. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I think he wants to know what love is. Oh. <sighs> I do too. Yep. What's amazing is they're a British rock band that was formed in New York City, right? So Foreigner actually does make sense in terms of their name. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it says it on Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) It was. Did they, who had, did somebody have a drug problem? Did they sleep with each other's wives? Did they get back together? To Mick Jones. Mick yeah. Jones. Mick Jones, Jeff Pilson, Kelly Hansen. Not one of the Hansen brothers. <laughs> He's right. the fourth one. Right. There was the, but Lou Graham. Right? Lou Graham was the guy. But Lou Graham's not in Foreigner anymore, even though they still have Foreigner. How do you how do you how are you foreigner known for that guy's unique voice and you don't have Lou Graham anymore? Really? Right. Right. But now now Bob Dylan's band toured without him and they were known as the band, right? Right, but they they became famous all on their own though. So, I mean they the band is a is a Hall of Fame, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band. No, I, I agree. Yeah. And the right. Eagles backed Linda Ronstadt for a long time, too. And then, obviously, they're the Eagles. So That's what made the whole Steve Perry journey thing so difficult is because when they, you know, hired the guy who sounded almost exactly like Steve Perry, you're like, man, I love Steve Perry, and I don't like that he and Journey aren't together, but, man, a lot of their sounds now still sound the same. I mean, it's tough to turn away from that. 
Hmm. Um, but this this uh, has been brought to you by Every State Fair, bringing back every old <laughs> '70s band uh-huh. ever, 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 ever.